you're going to be building a personal brand and that's going to take a lot of time, a lot of dedication and a lot of consistency. So choose a niche that is something that you can do the rest of forever passionately and enthusiastically because that's the only way that this is going to work. Welcome back to On The Horizon. This is Melrose Michaels. I am your host and I'm here to share what's worked for me in building my adult creator business to try to make building yours just a little bit easier. Let's get into today's episode. Who misses free and affordable ads without the anti-sex work rhetoric? Assembly 4 is a team of sex workers and technologists from Melbourne, Australia, aiming to bring back free and fair advertising to the sex work community. They also give back to organizations based in harm reduction, sex work, and education. Stepping away from the clunky design of traditional platforms, their platform, Trist.link, is a refreshing and well-needed change in both presentation and mission. It's free to join and open to all. In the words of an A4 user, from the policies to the language to the advice and tips, it makes such a big difference to feel supported and encouraged instead of policed. Hello, CEO Squad, and welcome. This one's all about personal branding, and I know that it's going to be fundamentally important to so many creators. I was um, putting out tweets, like, I think it was a week ago now, where I was just kind of talking about branding and having people comment, and I was personally responding to each tweet, helping them with their personal branding. And it made it increasingly aware that, like, or made me increasingly aware that this is a pain point that creators could use a little bit of help with. So with this space being all about personal branding, as creators, it is so important to have a strong personal brand. There's actually this quote that I really love, and it's from, I believe, Warren Buffett, who says, your brand is what other people say about you when you're not in the room. And I think that really highlights the importance of what your brand says about you as a creator. So a great way to think about this or like frame it in your mind is that your brand is the story while you are the main character. That's kind of what I, I always think about when I'm trying to figure out what associates or doesn't associate with me or with my brand. So again, your brand is the story while you are the main character. So first, before anything else, I think it's really important to start by defining what a brand is. So a personal brand is a set of characteristics, values, and traits that define an individual and distinguish them from others. It is a way that an individual presents themselves to the world, both online and offline, through their actions, words, and overall image. So in other words, a personal brand is the way that people perceive you, your unique qualities, your skills, your expertise, and it's a combination of your reputation, your online presence, your personal style, even your communication skills, and your overall public image. So your personal brand can actually be shaped intentionally or unintentionally through your interactions with others, your social media activity, through your personal and professional accomplishments. And the way that you present yourself to the world, all of these things are going to be reflected in your brand. So it's kind of an extension of yourself in that way. And that's going to be really important later in this conversation. Because most creators are building personal brands unintentionally with the way that they market or the way that they carry themselves and the way that they interact with fans especially. And they're doing so without even being aware of it. And oftentimes they're not liking the perception that's actually speaking about them or about their brand. Because the way you carry yourself in public, in social domains, those are reflections on your brand. So, you know, your reputation also can be a very heavy reflection on your brand. So these are things you want to think about. And if you're not doing things with intention, you could unintentionally be damaging your brand. 
If you're enjoying this podcast episode so far, please take one moment to share it with another one of your adult content creator friends because you know what the rule is here. We do not gatekeep and we want to make as many adult creators' businesses as easy as possible. And you sharing this episode with them might do exactly that. Thanks so much in advance. So creating a strong personal brand can help you establish yourself as a few things. You can be an expert in your field. You can build credibility and trust with others. And you can ultimately achieve your personal and professional goals. A great example of this that I think is really easy to understand is really the build that the brand that I've built with Sexwork CEO. So it's a brand that creators trust. We put incredibly valuable information out for free. I constantly try to be really helpful. You know, we're accessible. Uh, we try to reply to every tweet, every comment, every DM. Shout out to Bryn, my other half here at Sexwork CEO. She makes a lot of that possible. And overall, we're looked at by the community as a brand that can be trusted and that has genuinely the best interest of our community in mind. At least, you know, that's what I'm aiming to do. That's what we're hoping to do. And that's how I hope everyone here listening feels about our brand. But now on the flip side, as adult content creators, this adds extra complexity. And I say this because you have to have an entirely adult brand. Even if you have an entirely adult brand, that's not something I'd recommend. So while you can have yourself very established in the adult space and you can have, you know, I'm Melrose Michaels, for example, and that's my adult brand. That's not what I present on the mainstream side. And I think it's very important to have a mainstream facing brand. So like, let me be really clear about this. I entirely personally, me, identify as an adult content creator, but I also understand that the way things are currently set up on the internet and with social media and with legislation and with the world, that building an entirely adult only brand is very, very limiting. You will constantly be met with more resistance than necessary to successfully run that business. So this is why mainstream influencers who launch OnlyFans pages typically out-earn adult creators because they have mainstream brands that also happen to want them undressed. <laughs> so this is what all of us adult content creators should be aiming to do. Because if you think about, you know, gamers, cosplayers, artists, um, musicians, they don't get deleted off social media as much as we do. They can post links more freely. They don't get shadow banned the way adult content creators and brands do. So how do we combat that? What we should do, in my opinion, and this is what I've, I've aimed to do personally, is build a mainstream brand that will feed your adult one. So I hope that you guys understand the emphasis here that I'm trying to make on this is that by only considering ourselves as adult brands, we're doing two things. We are kind of swimming upstream against the current. We're, we're facing additional resistance that mainstream brands never have to deal with. We're also kind of pigeonholing ourselves in this one lane. So a great way to, to think about navigating this is like most people don't set out to be adult content creators for the rest of their lives. They have other aspirations, other things they want to do. A lot of us get into this kind of work as just a vehicle to get a bunch of capital together or raise money to do other things we really care about doing. But if you can somehow bring those two together, your starting point with the vehicle and adult and your end point being a brand that you really care about, doing something you're really passionate about, being your mainstream facing brand, this is how you get really big success stories that can cross over out of adults and have huge careers. Again, a really good example of this would be like Alana Rhodes, who just walked in a completely mainstream high-end designer fashion show. I forget um, who the designer was. But things like this are really important to think because a lot of creators are thinking short-sighted and not long-term. And I want you to kind of switch that and start envisioning what you're building as a long-term process, a long-term personal brand. So the first steps of this, 
we're going to break this into steps and I'm going to review the steps at the end. So if you are listening or taking notes um, at the end, you can just jot, jot them down as like a step-by-step process. As I go through them here, I'm going to try to be very intentional and deliberate and get very in detail. So step one, this is going to be all about defining your target audience. So before creating a personal brand as a creator, it is so important to have a clear understanding of who your target audience is. This is going to help you tailor your content to meet their needs and their preferences. It's going to help you establish connection with them. And this is often the part that creators just don't give any time or attention to even though it's so fundamentally important. So defining your target audience involves identifying the specific group of people who are most likely to be interested in your product, service, or message. And to define your target audience, you should consider the following things. I apologize for any background noise. My cats are being psychos right now. You should consider the following things. So the first thing you want to consider in terms of identifying your audience is the demographics. So this includes things such as age, gender, income, occupation, and geographic location. So depending on what you're offering, certain demographics are going to be more relevant to you than others. So for example, to put this in context for myself so that you can relate to it, my personal demographic is males, 18 to 55 years old, high income earners. So I'm looking for people with occupations like doctors, lawyers, etc. and that live in expensive areas. So places like New York, places like California, Chicago, Um, Another caveat to this is make sure that you're not blocking locations unless you really have to or you really want to stay protected for whatever your reason might be, but making sure that you're not blocking high earning locations like Dubai or like Saudi Arabia or things like this. But because I'm targeting a U.S. demo because U.S. typically spends more, this is kind of what I'm looking for. Again, male, 18 to 55, high income, doctors, lawyers, other high earning occupations and that live in expensive areas. Now, the next thing to consider when you're identifying your audience is psychographics. So a psychographic is kind of referring to a characteristic of your audience. So that will speak to things such as their values, their beliefs, their interests, or their lifestyles. So understanding the psychographics of your target audience can help you better tailor your message and your offering to their needs. For example, if in my own context, some of the psychographics in my audience are liberal, non-conservative, non-religious, fun-loving, humorous, these are things that I look for, and not because... I, I disagree with religion or, or, you know, disagree with like Republicans. It's nothing to do with that. It's because those people that identify with those things tend to be more open sexually, tend to uh, resonate with me because they're better aligned with me as a person. And so those are kind of the things that you end up looking for. So, for example, I want people that are, like I said, sexually open, value having a good time. Also, the types that follow kind of like meme pages or humor pages, because that's going to resonate really well for me as well. And then that brings us to part three of identifying your audience, which is all about behaviors. So behaviors can include things even like purchasing habits. um, But since you're not likely going to be able to identify those until you get them behind a paywall, other things can be more useful like their social media usage or their social media consumption. So analyzing the behaviors of your target audience can help you determine the best ways to reach and engage with them. So for example, my audience behaviors are likely to be around gaming, or guns because I'm in the country, or cosplay because I'm starting to dabble on that a little bit, or around redheads. So like to find my audience's behaviors, I know I can look for social media pages that highlight those topics. So female gaming pages are going to have audiences that will resonate with me as well. Or free female-based like country girl pages are going to have followers and audience members that would likely enjoy me as well. So really understanding that 
there you can look for the other media profiles and target those audience members. And I'm not saying like DM their fans or do things like that. But what I am saying is those are the people you ideally look for shout outs with because they're going to have your same audience. But if you don't know who your audience is, it's very hard to understand how to do that properly. And then the fourth point of this, and this is a little bit harder for creators to understand, is you really want to understand your audience pain points or motivations. Pain points is something like a phrase that gets lost in translation. Most of us are an adult, so the pain point that obviously comes to mind is like our audience wants to come. Like they want to be satisfied. That's their pain point. But a better way of phrasing this or thinking about this is by by considering what their motivation is. So not just like what problems or challenges does your target audience face, but what motivates them to take an action. So understanding these factors can help you better communicate the value of whatever you're offering to your target audience. So for my audience, I know that they want to game with pretty girls because that's what they want to do with me. That's something that motivates them. I know I can sell them a tip amount or a price to pay for my gamer chat because they're motivated by gaming with a pretty girl. Um, another thing that you can incorporate or that I incorporate is that I know my fans like to have companionship. They really like that um, girl next door or girlfriend experience. And that's something I offer and I target in them. So making sure that when a fan comes to my page or when I'm advertising that fans or followers should sign up for my pages, what I want to address is that I'm going to be their companion, their online companion. I'm going to be there for them and provide them this ultimate girlfriend experience. So knowing what they are motivated by or motivated to take action and behaviors around is going to be how you market to them because you know that's who your audience is. So I hope this really drives this point home on how, how incredibly important this is. Also, another factor for my personal audience is like I know they want to laugh and they want to have lighthearted conversations and kind of have an escape or distraction from their real lives. That's why you'll never catch me in my marketing or actually behind my paywalls having like deep, dark, heavy conversations or discussions because that's not what my audience is there for. Even if I'm having a bad day, like I'll talk about that with my real life people because that's not for my fans to know because that's not what they're there for. That's not what motivates them. So knowing that and how to differentiate that I think is also really important. So once you have a clear understanding of really who your target audience is, that's when you can tailor your marketing efforts and your messaging and your product offer to better meet their needs and their preferences. So you're going to start to see that even though you thought that you know your fan is here for one thing, when you really start to dig in deep and think about what attracts people to you and your brand and who your audience either currently is and consists of or who you want to target to be, the audience that you build, those two things can sometimes look really different. Like up until I started the gaming side of my brand, all of my brand was was just built around my image, which is people who are physically attracted to me, which is a very hard way to build a brand. That's not a super scalable thing. And that's what most adult creators are really doing is just using their looks or their self-image to attract an audience. And that's their audience and that's their brand. But an audience like that isn't highly monetizable outside of adult. So even if you can get them to your paywalls and you can monetize them there, those aren't going to be the kind of fans that buy merch. Those aren't going to be the kind of fans that subscribe to a YouTube channel or a podcast or will do anything for you long term as you continue outside adults should you ever want to cross over. So these are this is why it's so fundamentally important to not just think about the audience you currently have and how you got them to follow you and be you know a part of your audience, but the audience you want to target because you want to build that other kind of audience for your future. So think about this in those two parts because that's going to help you differentiate. So you're going to start to see that even though today we're talking about personal branding, specifically mainstream brands that will fuel your adult one, targeting both audiences will be the same because ultimately the audience is showing up for you because you're the main character. 
despite the story that you tell them, aka your branding. So audience will be probably the same, more or less, across both brands. You'll have the audience that's just there for your looks because that's how you got them. That's what they're attracted to. And then you're going to have the audience that you've built off of that that's going to want to pursue the other things you do in your, you know, the future of your career, the other avenues you expand into. And despite all of that, you're going to use this information to identify not just your audience, but also new growth and expansion opportunities in your business. And that's probably going to be a whole different Twitter space that we do entirely. Um, because I do think it is really important to build your brand for the future and not just for your time in adult. But anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> so again, I'm just going to go over this this little segment of defining your target audience. It consists of identifying the demographics, the psychographics, the behaviors, and the pain points or motivation. So that is how you're going to figure out who your target audience is. Now, the next part of this is choosing your niche. I think this is something a lot of people hear about and like often say in passing, but that most creators don't really understand, at least from my experience. So it is crucial to choose a niche that really aligns with your skills, interests, and expertise. So this is going to help you create high quality, relevant content that resonates with your audience. And that that word relevant is super important. And I'm going to explain it more later. But identifying the topics that you're passionate naturally about, or that you have a, no- a lot of knowledge of, and then narrowing down your focus to a specific area in that lane. So when I talk to creators about this, I often ask them, like, what are the things you naturally do or that the things you naturally gravitate to? So the things that you would do in your life, even if you never got paid for it. This is an important distinction because when you're building a brand in a business, it takes time. It takes a lot of time. Remember that just me personally, I've been building my business for over a decade, for 11 years. I really live by this quote, if you can't do it forever, don't do it at all, especially as it pertains to business, marketing, sales, branding. Um, And I believe that's a quote from an American entrepreneur, Evan Carmichael. But the point is that you're going to be building a personal brand and that's going to take a lot of time, a lot of dedication, and a lot of consistency, especially if you're building one that you want to leverage and do really cool mainstream shit with. So you want to choose a niche that is something that you can do the rest of forever passionately and enthusiastically because that's the only way that this is going to work. Because otherwise, if you're choosing something like Like if you're not interested in gaming and you would choose gaming, like, wow, that's cool and trendy right now and that's great. Eventually, it's just going to be something that burns you out because it's not something you would have naturally done or you you don't have a natural proclivity for. So you have to choose things that really matter and resonate with you. Otherwise, you're just adding resistance to your business and business is hard enough. So just choose the things that you're passionate about for real. It's going to make this way easier for you. So Remember, if you want to build it for the rest of your life, not just your time in adult, that's that's a huge part of this. So think, you know, Lena the Plug, think Lana Rhodes, think Riley Reed. Lena the Plug has two podcasts mainstream. She has Plug Talk with a male audience, and then she has um, touchy subjects for a female audience. That's a much deeper, you know, long-form conversational type of pod. And you have Lana Rhodes, who's walking the fashion shows, who does massive brand deals with Fashion Nova. She built a brand, even though she started an adult, think Riley Reed. Riley Reed has, you know, her huge adult brand, but she also launched Ash Agency, which is uh, a creator agency. She also launched 18 Plus Clothing, which is a mainstream clothing brand. So if you want things that are sustainable, even when you stop hitting record, you need to be thinking about things in a niche that really resonate with you that you can do for the rest of your life. So once you've identified things that you're passionate about and you can do forever, that's really when you found your niche. But if you're like kind of listening and you're wondering like, I don't know, what are some ideas and niches? I'm going to give you a list of 25 right now to make life easier. But again, 
don't do these if it doesn't if it's not natural to you if it's not something you care about or are passionate about or enjoy doing so here is a bunch gaming and esports that's something i've i've ventured into myself beauty and makeup although personally i would aim this towards costume makeup or like gore makeup or like movie makeup if you're targeting a male audience because that's more the kind of makeup a male demographic is interested in um celebrity gossip or pop culture commentary this a great example of this although when you hear celebrity gossip you typically think female audience it's actually both think of no jumper no jumper uh is a podcast but they also post on instagram tons of stuff that has to do with celebrity gossip or you know what's going on with celebrities right now still massive male demo under celebrity gossip comedy and humor most meme pages on social are about comedy humor or horror and they have massive male audiences i'm focusing on male because the most people in the space are female so i'm assuming you're attracting male demos but if you need something that targets a different kind of audience you can look for different um, niches i'm just going to ramble off these other ones Magic and illusions could be a niche. Music and dance can be a niche. Film, TV reviews can be a niche. Tarot card reading and astrology, although again, I relate this more towards female audience. If you wanted to relate this to a male demo, maybe you did like something male specific like tarot readings about the future of your sex life or something like that. Board games and puzzles could be a part of your niche. Cosplay, costume design, food blogging or restaurant reviews, that's a huge one for male demo. Fantasy sports and betting, that's a huge one for male demo travel vlogging and adventure tourism that's huge for most demos i think there's already a few out there but there's a lot of really cool um sex work brands uh horny hiking is one of them that i'm obsessed with that they basically travel vlog and have sex in beautiful places all around the world that's a great demo beer and wine tasting or reviews that's a cool demo anything music related so like rapping music singing karaoke that could be a cool niche retro gaming or collection like collectibles for gaming that's a niche car and motorcycle that's a niche racing that's a niche i kind of dabble in the car stuff because i'm personally a car enthusiast so that's an easy lane for me that i plan on expanding into once i kind of build my name in the branding uh the gaming space then i'll venture more into the cars um action sports and extreme activities you know if you like skateboarding snowboarding bungee jumping skydiving things like that uh stand-up comedy or improv podcasting radio hosting toy and action figure collecting home brewing or distilling voice acting or narration that's really that really goes hand in hand with like erotic stories or asmr craft beer and winemaking anything to do with like animals pets uh, exotic animals animal handling stuff like that so those are just a giant array of niches that you can get into but again it has to be natural and resonate with you because ultimately your niche should really relate to who you are naturally as a human and it should resonate with you deeply because remember once you pick a lane or a niche and you're you're kind of decided on where you want to go with things you can always go into chat gbt and you can ask for clever brand names or slogans that incorporate your creator stage name and the niche that you're building your personal brand around and then boom you've got cool slogans and cool branding right there at your fingertips so now now that niche is behind us um step three for me is really developing your unique selling proposition or your usp so your usp a usp is a unique selling proposition and it's known as your offer and it's basically the end goal of the thing you're selling. So if you weren't uh, with us a few weeks ago, we did a really good Twitter space. It's really long. It's really detailed about creating your offer as an adult creator. And if you haven't listened to it, I highly suggest it. But the short version of this is that you're not just a creator selling OnlyFans or clips or content. You have to differentiate yourself from the 5 million plus other content creators doing the exact same thing. Because it's really what sets you apart from other creators in your niche that matters. So identifying what makes you unique and what that value you can bring to your audiences and then what problems you're solving for them. 
So what, for example, my USP, what makes me unique, my unique uh, selling proposition is that I post new videos daily, all included on my feed for the price of the subscription. I'm using the premium Snapchat model on my OnlyFans. That's what makes me special, I guess, uh, in the crowd, you know, something that makes me stand out. It's something that no one else is doing. And that's kind of why I chose to go that route. So really figuring out your offer and putting that as a, a communication piece in your marketing and in your bios and in your brand and how you use your brand is going to be fundamental because you can have a really strong brand, but it could be the same exact strong brand as everyone else. You could be a gamer. There's lots of gamers. What makes you special in gaming? What makes you special in cosplay? What makes, you know, what makes a difference? What's going to be what sets you out in the crowd? The next step four for me is uh, just creating a consistent brand voice and visual identity. So your brand voice and visual identity identity should be consistent across all of your social platforms, adult and mainstream. They should blend together fairly cohesively. And this is going to help you establish a really strong presence. And it's going to make it easier for your audience to recognize you. So things that this consists of is choosing a color palette, a certain type of typography. If you look at my Melrose Twitter and Instagram and my uh, Melrose Games Twitter and Instagram, you'll notice I have this special font that I use on those brands. I also use that special font on Sexwork CEO. You can see it in the top of the space with the three lines and the E's and the R turned backwards. I use the same font Networthy because all of my brands, even though they're different companies, different brands, even different tones of voices and also targeting different audiences, they still have a cohesiveness to them. Um, so that's a typography piece. Also, other elements would be your design elements, things that aligned with your brand personality and also your values. So identifying your voice, you know, are you sassy? Are you witty? Are you kind? Are you shy? Are you bashful? Are you playful? Are you seductive? And then using that tone in your captions, in your tweets, so that even if someone reads something, you tweet it without seeing your username, they're still likely to know who wrote it. That's how powerful voice is. And then you pair it with that visual identity of brand colors or this special type of font or whatever it might be, and you carry it through. You're going to see the same font and tone on my OnlyFans, on my clip sites, in my Twitter and social profiles. Um, you're going to notice it when I'm live streaming. All of those things are very cohesive and they're very intentional. Uh, this next part, step five, is optimizing your social profiles. So optimizing your social media to make it easier to find, for one, and then visually appealing and informative. So using relevant keywords in your bio on social is really important. Your bio should mention or allude to your niche. Your hobbies, it should communicate to the followers what they can expect to see more of by following your profile. And it should even try to incorporate, you know, and you should even try to incorporate your brand into captions in terms of the tone of voice that you're using. All of that is one part of that. And then also optimizing to make sure that, you know, the links to your website and your other social media profiles are all listed there as well. So when you're creating content on your profile and it's optimized, all of the things you're creating, so pictures, videos, reels, stories, they should all showcase your brand. So they should all have the same tone of voice. The same tone of voice should be the things you're saying in your short form video, your TikToks, your reels. The tone of voice should be in your captions on all your social posts, on your profiles. If you're witty and seductive, that should be the vibe in all of your captions. You don't need a caption that stands out and is like, save the planet if that's not within your brand. If your brand is not eco-friendly and that's not like a pillar of your brand, leave that for another profile or for another side, another business you're starting or for another brand. You need to focus on making sure your tone is carried out through all of the content that you're publishing. And I want to say this too, because I know like cute, funny bios, like I've seen some cool Twitter bios that are like, I'm a stardust fairy. 
um, or like, you know, I'm a, a dump truck, like cool, like catchphrases like that. Love that for you. But it's not helping. Uh, it's not helping your brand. Not because it's not part of like your voice and your tone. Yeah, you're funny or witty or creative like that. I get that comes across. But the part that is setting you back is that our profile bios on social, um, as well as on OnlyFans, which people don't realize are on fan sites, it's all SEO optimized. So when a fan goes to Google and is like, find me a redheaded gamer or redheaded gamers, if you don't have redhead or gamer in your bio, your profile does not get brought up to the searches. So this is why optimizing your profile for SEO and all the things you do really for SEO is so fundamentally important. That is how you optimize. Not only are social media op- uh, bios optimized, but also bios are like the, the text and captions is optimized across social as well. So everything you write in a tweet, everything you put in a caption, everything, even the even to the point where like the the words and text that you put on your top of your TikToks, like you overlay when you're creating TikToks and Reels, even that is SEO op- optimized now. So the words you're using, it's very important. It would be absolutely incredible if you rated this podcast five stars and left a little review we want to get this podcast to as many adult creators as possible and you taking a second to leave a couple stars and a review really helps us do that thanks so much next part of this for me is really high quality content so creating high quality content that aligns with your niche this means like content for your socials okay let me i like to describe it as this like content that you put out on social is kind of like the candy or like the breadcrumbs that you're offering to fans to get them to come back to your profile and click follow. So the candy or the content should always be aligned with your brand. And the candy does not need to be thirst traps the way where we've all been conditioned to believe it does. So remember, thirst traps belong to adult brands. We are building mainstream brands now because that will have way more career longevity and face less resistance. So since my brand is all around gaming, girl next door, redhead, country girl, it doesn't make sense for me to do a reel on Malrose Michaels Instagram, for example, about something like like how to do uh, how to use artificial intelligence as an adult creator. My fans don't care about that. <laughs> That's not what they're there for. That's not why they clicked follow. That kind of content aligns with sex work CEOs brand and the sex work community audience, but not Melrose's. So when you're making you know content and you're making stuff to put out on your social profiles, that high quality content needs to relate to the audience you're trying to build and that you're targeting. One, it has to speak to the audience that you mean and you're intentionally trying to speak to. And also it should be addressing those pain points or those things that will motivate them to make a purchase with you. So keeping those two parts in mind when you're creating this content is important. If I'm creating a reel, I want it to speak to the male demo of people with money to spend between ages 18 and 40 or 55 that are US-based. And I want it to implied to them through this video I'm going to post as a reel that they'll have companionship one-on-one with me for the entire duration of their subscription on my page. So how do I communicate that? Well, maybe I make a reel that says, hey, hey, you, and I tap the screen or something and I say, yeah, you, like I'm talking to them, make it feel really personal. And I tell them that I'm a better girlfriend than your girlfriend is and I can even prove it. Tap the link in my bio. That's communicating that to them that I'm a good companion and I'm willing to show you and click the link in my bio, I'm giving you a free trial to prove it to you before you even spend money. So that's a really good example of making content that targets your audience and addresses their motivations and then keeping that in the forefront of your mind as you create high quality content. My audience, for example, values like sweetness, kindness, seduction, teasing, playfulness, and wit. That's really what draws them to me because that's kind of naturally the person that I am. 
So that tone of voice really carries into my captions and into my content. My content can still be gaming based or teasing or even like a high fashion kind of like modeling type of pick or a car pick, but it will still have that element of seduction or playfulness in the caption or in the way I'm posing or whatever it might be. But you don't need to be nearly naked in your photo or in your content just to get the follow from fans. I would actually argue this that this kind of hurts your social and your pages more than anything else. And I know that's contrary to what people believe, but let me explain. So we're going to have a hypothetical moment for a second. Consider that, let's let's all pretend, which this is not true, but let's all pretend that shadow bands aren't real, okay? You know, and that great. Again, this is not real. They are real. Shadow bands are absolutely 100% real. Let's pretend that they aren't. And let's let's assume or, you know, hypothesize that what we're actually experiencing instead of a shadow ban is guys that don't want to like and comment on our social posts, you know, our Instagram posts, reels, whatever, because they don't want their girlfriends or their partners to see them liking and commenting because the image or the video we posted is very sexy. What if they just aren't following us because they don't want to open their Instagram app or their Twitter app um, or their TikTok app to show their kids or their spouse a funny dog video and don't, don't want your thirst trap or like booty pic <laughs> to be the first thing on the screen when they open social media apps. So to be clear, even though I believe shadow banning is absolutely happening, like that's not debatable. We obviously don't come up when people search our literal username. But this other factor is also at play. So a big factor of why your engagement is low and why your pages aren't gaining followers or growing is also this, because you are not palatable to a mainstream person. A guy who is in a relationship and isn't like bacheloring it up, who probably has kids or is involved with their family or whatever, what they're going to do is they're going to want to show social things to people they care about in their real life that they really love. And if they open the app and the first thing that is there is a thirst trap or something overly sexualized, that kind of ruins... their experience of using the app because apps are made for that social interaction. Hey, did you see this? Hey, let me send this to you. Hey, whatever. Show you funny animal videos, etc. So this is also a factor of why we feel shadow banned in addition to actually being shadow banned. And I want to make this clear because like I literally asked my all my guy friends, some of them even single, and said, would you follow a page like mine? And they said no. And these are my friends in real life. And the reason was because it's too sexy. Like, how do they open their phone at work? on their lunch break while they're waiting for their food in the microwave to heat up if there's going to be huge ass pic on their screen and there's cameras uh, in the lunchroom because they're at work and now they feel like they're exposed and in trouble. Like you have to consider these things and consider the way people use these platforms in the real world, how they're actually made to be used and use them native to that. And that's going to give you the advantage. That's why mainstream influencers outperform adult influencers. That is the reason. So it's really important to consider this when you're putting out content and to have a mainstream facing brand that allows people to follow you confidently, allows them to not be afraid to open apps on their phone when they're around other people. And also kind of what we touched on earlier, it's really important to use keywords to make yourself discoverable. So making sure that the bio again is optimized, the captions are optimized for SEO, that you're using keywords that are relevant to you. For me, redhead gaming, girl next door, things like that. And also the captions that you write over your short form video, because even The words you add to TikTok and the words you add over Reels are SEO optimized. So you really need to choose the words that you use wisely. Next, step seven for me. This is all about engaging with your audience. This is kind of controversial in the sex work space. Engaging with your audience consists of things like responding to, you know, comments, responding direct messages, responding to tweets, and even emails if you're active in an email list and you're doing capture. But I see creators openly talking bad about fans and asking them for things or like like ragging on them for asking for free shit and DMs 
which I get. It is so annoying and it is so exhausting. And I understand that. I really do. But could you imagine for a second if Apple was outwardly tweeting, stop fucking messaging me for free iPhones, go fucking buy one? Like, you just think about the impact it would have on that brand. That would be insane. We would never see that. Um, or think about like another big brand like Nike. You know, they, they're all, their brand is entirely based around just do it, be, be, um, take action, you know, athletes, things like that. Could you imagine if Nike was just started calling someone like fat or fat shaming people on social? Like that is so contrary to their brand and contrary to their messaging. And it, it sets them back. But sex workers and creators, adult creators do this all the time on social. Um, they'll, they'll bash on fans. They'll talk shit publicly. They'll screenshot DMs. And I've done this too, like in the past. Before I won, I knew how much it mattered and usually not to the extent I'm describing. But doing stuff like that is how you unintentionally damage your brand. So I want to make that clear because a lot of people still do it. And also, all of those followers, all of those fans, all of those people DMing asking for free shit, that is potential fans and potential leads. So speaking bad about them publicly or even privately, it speaks loudly about your brand and it it hurts your business. Whether you want to believe that or not, it absolutely works against you. So it says that you don't appreciate your followers. It might even give like full-on entitlement vibes. And for me, Knowing this now, it makes me so grateful and it makes me understand that every fan, every single one, every follower, every single one has value. Even if they are freeloaded for six years. I have a fan currently who is one of my biggest fans. He did not spend a dime on me for six years. For six years, I responded to this person's messages. I was a companion. I helped them through other issues they were having in their personal life, issues they had with a model that they really cared about, another creator. I lent an ear. All of this for six years without him spending a penny. If I pull up his statistics on my OnlyFans right now, it would be something like in the past year, he spent over $14,000 alone as one user. He's one of my top tippers. And that's only on OnlyFans. And this person is also on Sex Panther with me. Also attends every live stream I do. He is a super fan. And I put in the work for six years to get exponential outcome out of this person because I just cared about them. And like that is such a hack for building something meaningful is just care about people like baseline genuinely um and i think that resonates i think that's why sex work co also does well as a brand because i just i care i really do so all of these things having these fans and followers this is traffic that you don't pay for this isn't traffic that you pay to acquire it's people you attract with your branding on social because social just gives you such an exponential reach to the world so these are leads you didn't even have to pay for you didn't have to buy a shout out to get these leads fans and followers they showed up and they followed you by themselves, which means they already like you. The hard work is over. So doing anything less than giving them a wonderful experience and a wonderful engagement with you is a disservice to your brand. So engaging with your fans and followers and building that community around them and building rapport with them, that is how you build a cult-like following. The same way that Apple does and that Nike has. You have to nurture that audience and that following because the more you cultivate it, the bigger the business you will end up having. It's just, it's how it works. The relationships that you build and the trust that you build with your followers also provides you with other great things like feedback. If you have a really great relationship with your fan base and your audience, they will tell you really important feedback things to help further your business. My fans, because I communicate with them and I'm so engaged with them, they know they can tell me like, hey, this feature isn't working. And I can be like, oh, well, fuck, that feature's not working. Let me do this for you instead. They know that they can come to me and be like, hey, I really liked that one video you did. I'd love to see more of this. And I will, because I'm engaged with them and listening to them, 
go and make more of that content because I'm going to give my audience what it wants, especially if it's something I already I make. I, I obviously like making it it's within my boundaries. So this is why it's so, so, so fundamental. A really good example of this is Kylie Jenner. And I know, you know, everyone doesn't like everyone. I get that. She's, I'm not a Kylie massive fan either. But point is, Kylie Jenner was on Tumblr way before she got like super famous. Um, she was always super famous, but like in her own right as Kylie Jenner, the makeup mogul. So Kylie Jenner had this huge following on Tumblr. She was really engaged with it. Then you remember she eventually was huge on Snapchat and she was really engaged with people there. She'd reply to people. She'd engage with them. And then she moves over to Instagram because she gets tired of Snapchat and their bullshit. And then she launches this billion dollar makeup brand because she has a massive audience. And when you have a massive audience that's highly engaged, that you really have rapport and community with, you can point to anything and ask them to buy it and they will. And that's how you build massive businesses. Um, a lot of people don't realize, but like, what's a good example of this? Like The Rock has like a, a liquor brand that's worth a billion. Um, another fighter, uh, I'm a me fighter. God, I'm fucking up. I'm dropping, forgetting his name. He's super controversial. He does a lot of shitty things. But anyways, he has a um, a huge liquor brand as well. Um, Tana Montague, I, I always fuck up her last name, but she's an Instagram influencer who launched a drink brand. Logan Paul has Prime, which is a multi, multi-million dollar brand of product that he sells because he built a massive audience and i want you to start thinking about your career in this way too because if you can build a big audience and you can engage with them and they're involved with you and have a sense of community you can launch any business not just your adult brand so this is why it's so important that you try to do the same step eight for me this is going to be <laughs> this is the thing i feel like i repeat every space that no one likes to hear but you need to track your performance <laughs> you need to track take data make adjustments this is important so tracking your social media metrics and determining really what's working for you and what is not, and then using those analytics and tools to monitor your engagement rates, your follower growth, your website clicks, all of that and tracking those metrics is going to be what tells you where to spend your limited time and where it's most valuable to spend it. So especially when you're first starting out, when you're first starting out, you're going to or I would I'd advise to pick one social platform and build there first. We all try to do too much too soon and we go too wide too soon. And it is such a disadvantage because what is more valuable? If you could go to all of my socials and say that they all had 5,000 followers on them, isn't that less impactful than going to my Twitter and seeing that that has 56,000 followers or going to my Instagram and seeing that that's 100K followers? That, that lends you more credibility to be big in one place over being medium or small in many places. So start on one avenue, use your analytics to decide which avenue is giving you the most conversions, where most of your audience is living and engaging, and choose that platform, and then double down on that and build it big. Focus on just that, build it big. Then, because that, that's telling you where your time's most valuably being spent. So a great example of this is with Sexwork CEO. If you notice, we're building Twitter first because we know our community, our audience is on Twitter. Adult content creators, especially that identify as sex workers, live on Twitter. So we're focusing there first, and then we're going to refocus and expand to Instagram and to YouTube and to these other places. But there's a sequence to these things. So Sexwork CEO as a brand, if I'm presenting you know, to a sponsor, to a company that I want to, to back us or get involved with us or you know, consult for them and make better tools for us, if I can show them a Twitter at 12K versus a Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at 1,000, that is still more powerful and gives me more leverage. So focus on one thing first before expanding to the others. It'll save you time. It'll save you effort. It'll save you burnout. And it'll be more effective. Uh, don't do everything at once. Do things in sequence. Sequence is important. So once you've established 
your presence on the one platform, then you'll expand to others. And that is when you expand, that is when your brand expands, that is when your brand grows. So hopefully you have an idea a little bit about what to focus on and where to start branding yourself for your mainstream facing um, personal brand. And I want to summarize this a little bit as well. So this is where I'm going to go over the steps. So if there's anything you wanted to write down about this space, I'm going to put it out right now. So the eight steps that I would attribute with personal branding is one, defining your audience, two, defining your niche, three, developing your USP or your unique selling proposition. This is also called your offer, aka your offer, four, creating your brand voice and visual identity, five, optimizing your social profiles, making sure they reflect your brand, six, creating high quality, relevant content to your brand that targets your audience and solves their pain points or motivations, seven, engaging with that audience, and then eight, tracking performance with analytics to identify where to focus your attention and when to scale to other platforms once you are ready to expand your brand. Use this information wisely, um, intentionally, please make, make the adjustments to your content strategy that are going to improve your personal branding. I re recommend like while you're going through this process to constantly remind yourself that this is a mainstream brand. It has nothing to do with adult because we're so, so, so conditioned to think the opposite after building, you know, an adult brand for years in the industry. It's very easy to slip back into bad habits or old habits of doing only adult type things. So just remind yourself this isn't thirst traps and thirst talks. <laughs> this is the brand that you want to build out, build out over time into other opportunities for long after you've left the world of adult buying. This is your mainstream personal brand and it should be absolutely timeless. Now, I do have um, a question from someone who wrote us in DMs. Brynn, if you want to forward that to me, I will try to answer it. Or you can come on yeah. you. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Um, the listener question is, how do you get a bigger engagement and more traction to post? Awesome. Okay, so bigger engagement, more engagement comes from also being engaged. So um, a lot of creators, so two things I'll say actually, it comes from being engaged and it also comes from call to actions. A great example of this, I actually have someone in our, the Sex Work Theo like mentorship program that I'm working with right now. We did close that program temporarily because I want to just focus on the group I have. That's why the link isn't working for those who have been DMing and asking. But um, calls to action and getting engaged is the, the, what breeds more engagement. With the mentorship, with the mentee, I guess, that I'm helping, one of the big adjustments we made to her pages was putting in calls to action. So calls to action are CTAs. That's what they're known as in mainstream marketing. Um, but a call to action is like this post, comment this post, do this thing, take this behavior, take this action. And actually saying that, saying that in your post. Uh, a lot of creators don't do this. That's why like some of the big social media profiles, you'll see them like, which would you pick one or two? Because it's asking you without asking you to comment which one, picture one or picture two. Or you'll say, do I look better in this or with that? And then what they're asking you to do without asking you is to go and comment or to engage. But you can outright ask for calls or use verbal calls to actions in your post. So if you're talking about social, it should say like this post, comment on this post or save this post. It doesn't have to outright say those words, but it should allude to please do this thing. Please like this post. Please comment this post. Please save this post. Please share this post. So those would be the ones I'd apply to social. When you're talking on the paywall side and your adult side of your business, when you're making posts to your feed and uh, on OnlyFans or to your um, PPVs, whatever, the calls to actions are like this post, comment this post, tip this post, unlock this post. And you can say that in different words or not so those exact words, but you're alluding to that exact behavior. So that's how you get more engagement. By one, being engaged, you should be responding to comments, you should be responding to tweets, you should be liking things, you should be 
following back big big followers and big tippers for you. You should be responding to DMs people have already sent you um, on social. Even if even if you're doing it in a very like passive way, like hey, thanks so much for liking that post, or thanks for your DM, I appreciate you. Or um, they send an emoji to your Instagram story and you get the little fire emoji in your DMs from them liking your story. Double tap it. Make sure you like it. This this will give them a notification on their phone. This shows them you're paying attention to what they did. This encourages them to continue to be engaged. And the same thing applies to your adult paywalls. If you tell them to like this post, comment on this post, tip this post, or unlock this message, they will start to take those behaviors. It is the single easiest thing you can change about your social or your paywall platforms to have better engagement and make more money, start using calls to action. Hands down, all the way. That's the, that's the number one thing. Really, really great question. I love that they brought that up. A few last things I do want to touch on. We have our complete five-part video series coming up for Stuck Panther. I know I keep talking about it. Um, I'm super excited because this is all about the strategies that I've used to earn me over $13,000 a month in just one month on Stuck Panther. The courses are entirely for free. As long as you're subscribed to our YouTube, you will see them go up. If you don't already have the little bell notification on, please consider doing that so that you know when free courses go up. And again, to subscribe to our YouTube, just youtube.com forward slash SWCEO. And then the set of courses we do plan to bring up or to put out after the Sex Panther ones are going to be about uh, artificial intelligence and how to use AI in your adult creator business to automate and monetize parts of your business. So again, if you're not subscribed to YouTube, please consider subscribing. It's youtube.com forward slash SWCEO. Last but not least, all the information, obviously, that we put out here on SexWorkCO is free because we do believe in this idea that a more financially successful community of adult creators means that we will have more resources in our community to do important things like lobby Congress, impact policy, better organize, and more. So if you value those things, and if you learned and valued what you heard here today or what we put out in our tweets, et cetera, please, please, please consider sharing it, retweeting it, posting it to your profiles, sending it to your model friends, tagging model friends. The only thing we ask in exchange for what we do is really sharing it with as many creators as possible because we want to impact as many creators as possible. Um, so thank you so much for that in advance. And uh, yeah, I guess for that being said, that really concludes our space today. Next week's is going to be entirely about sales psychology. I decided to do that because I think creators could really benefit a lot from understanding sales psychology on like a, a deeper level, something that's really helped me, I feel, in my business. So if you're struggling to sell effectively to your fans or to like upsell in DMs, convert new subscribers or get new subscribers to your subscription platforms, definitely make sure to tune in and I will see you then. CEO Squad, thank you so, so much for this space. Who misses free and affordable ads without the anti-sex work rhetoric? Assembly 4 is a team of sex workers and technologists from Melbourne, Australia, aiming to bring back free and fair advertising to the sex work community. They also give back to organizations based in harm reduction, sex work, and education. Stepping away from the clunky design of traditional platforms, their platform, Trist.link, is a refreshing and well-needed change in both presentation and mission. It's free to join and open to all. In the words of an A4 user, from the policies to the language to the advice and tips, it makes such a big difference to feel supported and encouraged instead of policed.